apart from the experience of others. There is no such animal in or out of captivity as a born public speaker. In those periods of history when public speaking was a refined art that demanded close attention to the laws of rhetoric and the niceties of delivery, it was even more difficult to be born a public speaker. Now think of public speaking as a kind of enlarged conversation. Gone forever is the old grandiloquent style and the stentorian voice. We like to hear at our dinner meetings, in our church services, on our TV sets and radios, a straightforward speech, conceived in common sense and dedicated to the proposition that we like speakers to talk with and not at us. Despite what many school texts would lead us to believe, public speaking is not a closed art to be mastered only after years of perfecting the voice and struggling with the mysteries of rhetoric. I have spent almost all of my teaching career proving to people that it is easy to speak in public, provided they follow a few simple but important rules. When I started to teach at the 125th Street YMCA in New York City back in 1912, I didn't know this any more than my first students knew it. I taught those first classes pretty much the way I had been taught in my college years in Warrensburg, Missouri. But I soon discovered that I was on the wrong track. I was trying to teach adults in the business world as though they were college freshmen. I saw the futility of using Webster, Burke, Pitt, and O'Connell as examples to imitate. What the members of my classes wanted was enough courage to stand on their hind legs and make a clear, coherent report at their next business meeting. It wasn't long before I threw the textbooks out the window, got right up there on the podium, and, with a few simple ideas, worked with those fellows until they could give their reports in a convincing manner. It worked, because they kept coming back for more. I wish I could give you a chance to browse through the files of testimonial letters in my home or in the offices of my representatives in various parts of the world. They come from industrial leaders whose names are frequently mentioned in the business section of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, from governors of states and members of parliaments, from college presidents, and from celebrities in the world of entertainment. There are thousands more from housewives, ministers, teachers, young men and women whose names are not well known yet, even in their own communities, executives and executive trainees, laborers, skilled and unskilled, union men, college students and businesswomen. All of these people felt a need for self-confidence and the ability to express themselves acceptably in public. They were so grateful for having achieved both that they took the time to write me letters of appreciation. Of the thousands of people I have taught, one example comes to mind as I write because of the dramatic impact it had on me at the time. Some years ago, shortly after he joined my course, D.W. Gent, a successful businessman in Philadelphia, invited me to lunch. He leaned across the table and said, I have sidestepped every opportunity to speak to various gatherings, Mr. Carnegie, and there have been many. But now, I am chairman of a board of college trustees and must preside at their meetings. Do you think it will be possible for me to learn to speak at this late date in life? I assured him on the basis of my experience with men in similar positions who had been members of my classes, and there was no doubt in my mind that he would succeed. 
about three years later, we lunched together again at the manufacturer's club. We ate in the same dining room and at the very same table we had occupied at our first meeting. Reminding him of our former conversation, I asked him whether my prediction had come true. He smiled, took a little red-backed notebook out of his pocket, and showed me a list of speaking engagements for the next several months. The ability to make these talks, he confessed. The pleasure I get in giving them, the additional service I can render in the community, these are among the most gratifying things in my life. But that was not all. With a feeling of justifiable pride, Mr. Gant then played his ace card. His church group had invited the Prime Minister of England to address a convocation in Philadelphia, and the Philadelphian selected to make the introduction of the distinguished statesman on one of his rare trips to America was none other than Mr. D.W. Gant. This was the man who had leaned across that same table less than three years before and asked me whether I thought he would ever be able to talk in public. Here's another example. The late David M. Goodrich, chairman of the board of the B.F. Goodrich Company, came to my office one day. All my life, he began, I have never been able to make a talk without being frozen with fear. As board chairman, I have to preside at our meetings. I have known all the board members intimately for years, and I have no trouble talking to them when we are sitting around the table. But the moment I stand up to talk, I am terrified. I can hardly say a word. I have been that way for years. I don't believe you can do anything for me. My trouble is too serious. It has existed too long. Well, I said, if you don't think I can do anything for you, why did you come to see me? For one reason only, he replied. I have an accountant who takes care of my personal accounting problems. He's a shy chap, and to get into his little office, he has to walk through my office. He has been sneaking through my office for years, looking at the floor and hardly ever saying a word. But lately, he has been transformed. He walks into my office now with his chin up, a light in his eye, and he says, Good morning, Mr. Goodrich, with confidence and spirit. I was astonished at the change, so I said to him, Who has been feeding you meat? He told me about taking your course of training, and it is only because of the transformation that I have witnessed in that frightened little man that I have come to see you. I told Mr. Goodrich that if he attended the classes regularly and did what we asked him to do, within a few weeks, he would enjoy speaking before audiences. If you can do that, he replied, I'm one of the happiest men in the country. He joined the course, made phenomenal progress, and three months later, I invited him to attend a meeting of 3,000 people in the ballroom of the Hotel Astor and talk to them on what he had gotten out of our training. He was sorry he couldn't come, a previous engagement. The next day, he phoned me. I want to apologize, he said. I have broken that engagement. I'll come and speak for you. I owe it to you. I'll tell the audience what this training did for me. I'll do it with the hope that my story will inspire some of the listeners to get rid of the fears that are devastating their lives. I asked him to speak for two minutes only. He spoke to 3,000 people for 11 minutes. I have seen thousands of similar miracles worked in my courses. I have seen men and women whose lives were transformed by this training. Many of them 
receiving promotions far beyond their dreams or achieving positions of prominence in their business, profession, and community. Sometimes this has been done by means of a single talk delivered at the right moment. Let me tell you the story of Mario Lazo. Years ago, I received a cable from Cuba that astonished me. Fred, unless you cable me to the contrary, I am coming to New York to take training to make a speech. It was signed, Mario Lazo. Who is he? I wondered. I had never heard of him before. When Mr. Lazo arrived in New York, he said, The Havana Country Club is going to celebrate the 50th birthday of the founder of the club, and I have been invited to present him with a silver cup and to make the principal talk of the evening. Although I am an attorney, I have never made a public talk in my life. I am terrified at the thought of speaking. If I fail, it will be deeply embarrassing to my wife and myself socially. And in addition, it might lower my prestige with my clients. That is why I have come all the way from Cuba for your help. I can stay only three weeks. During those three weeks, I had Mario Lazo going from one class to another, speaking three or four times a night. Three weeks later, he addressed the distinguished gathering at the Havana Country Club. His address was so outstanding that Time magazine reported it under the head of foreign news and described Mario Lazo as a silver-tongued orator. Sounds like a miracle, doesn't it? It is a miracle. A 20th century miracle of conquering fear.